Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, everyone. My name is Mazan, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Um, when I was asked uh, to talk here, I was, I was very excited, and, and today I started getting stressed. And um, Because what do I have to, to share about essay as a way of life? I've only been in program a bit over three years. Um, I talked to a friend and he reminded me (laughs) that the fact that I'm sitting here with a bunch of other sexaholics and I'm sober today, that that's enough of a message. I have what to to give to other people just based on the fact that I'm coming to speak and I'm sober. So I want to remember that. Um, I also want to remember that whatever I say is just I want to remind everybody, it's just my experience. Um, It doesn't mean anything for anybody. This is just my personal experience. And um, yeah, with that, I'm going to start. So I wanted, I I was asked to share about essay as a way of life. Um, And so I decided, I prayed about it and God decided um, that I'm going to, I want to tell you guys, just walk you through how I incorporated essay into my life since when I got to program. Um, how I got the program, the way everybody else gets into program. I was hurting bad enough for long enough and I came. Um, I came just over three years ago. Um, and during that time, I was in uh, national service. It's something that you have here in Israel, um, a year or two of volunteering. Um, and during this time, I came to, to program. And I, and I was blessed because I had relatively freedom with my schedule and I could devote the vast majority of my energy and life to program. If, if now it's something that I incorporate into my life, when I came into program, it was my life because I didn't feel like I had another option. Um, And that might sound extreme and it is extreme, but that's what I personally needed to get started. Um, I would go to five meetings a week. Um, I talked to my sponsor every single day. Um, I worked the steps on a daily basis. Um, and that's personally how I had to, to incorporate essay into my life in the beginning. Um, after that year, um, my national service was over. I was no longer volunteering somewhere and with relative freedom in terms of being a responsible adult, I had to take, take on responsibilities. I couldn't just say 100% of my time is devoted to program that I'm not in my six hours of volunteering a day. Um, and I had to make the decision to what am I going to do with going forward? Um, and this is also to me part of how essay is a way of life for me is because my decision was, I, there was a lot of things that I wanted to happen but at the end of the day, I made my decision based on, I prayed about it. I talked with it to my sponsor about my possible options. And after praying and talking to my sponsor and other people, I made a decision based on that. To me, that's that's part of the way I have to live now. Um, and the decision that I made was not necessarily the smart decision from the outside world. I decided to... Um, to move out of, to move out, um, even though I didn't have a job. Um, and I decided to move to a uh, part of Jerusalem that was con- is considered more expensive because there was a strong essay community there. And so I made those decisions and they were right for me at the time. Um, and I had to take that leap of faith that if this is what I've come, if, if this is the decision I've made, then it's going to be good because because my I'm I have a higher power and wait a second. 
I have, I have, sorry, somebody just wants to come in. Okay. Um, sorry, somebody's just walking in. I apologize. Um, so that's a decision that I had to make to, to take that leap of faith and to, to trust my higher power. Um, and during this, this year after, after I moved, I had to, to again, if I had to, to go up a level in terms of how do I connect essay into my life. So if in the beginning it was 100%, now I had to devote time for work. I had, I started devoting time to, to more outside issues. That doesn't sound good. Um, to, to being a normal person in, in, in a functioning world, which means activities and, and, and um, family and society, et cetera. And that was something that I started having to, to work out. How do I balance those two things? Um, and so for me, what was helpful was I have my baseline program, which includes sponsorship, service, uh, meetings, et cetera. And with the, the extra time, then I do those other activities. But for me personally, I know that when I don't do those things consistently, I become a crazy person, um, which is something that I've experienced recently. I, I recently started um, studying in university and, and I was less available. And I see that as soon as I drop those things, I personally become cuckoo, cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Um, so during this year, um, not this year, the past year, program gave me the ability to, to be a responsible adult. Um, I had at this point already worked all the steps um, with a sponsor. And thanks to the tools that I got there, I could set boundaries when people were behaving inappropriate. I could make decisions based on what was good for me and accept the consequences. I could trust that my higher power is going to take care of me and it's going to come out for the best. Um, this came especially into focus when uh, Corona happened. Um, and during a, right beforehand, my father was in the hospital and I was with him. And these were, these were two events that for me, without program as a constant, I don't know how I would have managed to deal with them because my old way of managing would not have been sufficient to get through things to this effect. It just, I would, it wouldn't have been possible for me. Um, when COVID started, I had a lot of time to, to myself, like a lot of people do. <laughs> um, and this was an opportunity for me to see how much I still had to work on. Um, during this time, I decided to go through the steps again because for my personal experience, it wasn't enough for me to work the steps and then just stay in 10, 11, and 12. I felt like I had to, to, to keep working, to keep doing. Um, and going through the steps with sponsees for me wasn't enough. So I worked the steps again with a different sponsor. Um, and now I'm working the traditions with her. Um, because it's just like as soon as I stop doing my daily actions and going to, to meetings and making phone calls, I become crazy. As soon as I'm not actively working to expand my spiritual uh, program um, and to continue to learn more things, I go back to being crazy. I don't, I personally don't feel like I can stay in the same spot. I will either go forward or go backwards. Um, um, so during this time, I cultivated a, a strong essay family around me of uh, fellows. And to me, this has been very important because regardless of how great my higher power is, there are going to be times where I'm going to feel alone. There are going to be times when I feel lonely. There are going to be times where I'm going to feel pain and sadness, um, or that I'm going to feel joy and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm going to have all these, or when I have questions about life or questions about, about a multitude of things. And so for me, having a, a really strong and um, loving fellowship around me 
has been indispensable because I can cry to them. I can laugh with them. I can, I can have fun with them. And at the end of the day, for me, I came to program to find, not to just stop acting out. For me, that wasn't enough. I didn't want to just stop acting out. I wanted to, to live life to the fullest. And part of that for me is, is enjoying myself. Um, not in a hedonistic way, but as, you know, in a fulfilled way. Um, another part of, of that is I want to become a responsible adult. That means that I, um, I decided to go into to higher education, something that I never thought I would do. Um, this might sound a bit backwards, but I believed as, as a child, I always believed that my job was to get married, have kids, and higher education is not, is not relevant for me. And so thanks to program, I, that is actually something that I've chosen to pursue. Um, and to me, that's part of this way of life because program doesn't, program are tools to, to live my life. They are not in of itself living life. Um, and part of my old way of behaving was to be so afraid of doing anything that I, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't do things. Um, and so program has given me the sense of security that I need to, to, to use the skills that my higher power gave me in order to, to be just more. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Um, so there were several other points that I wanted to mention. Um, so one is, is my experience with um, financial insecurity. I know that I'm the only person who has ever experienced this. I know I'm sure. Um, and to me, this is a great part of what, how practical program is in my life. Um, this is something that frightens me that I'm sure frightens other people. Um, and I feel that I have tools to, to deal with a, a major fear that a lot of humans experience. Um, and it's not perfect. I don't want to paint essay as a way of life as something perfect. To me, it means that I have a fear. I talk about it. I share about it. I write a step 10 about it and it goes away for a few hours. And then after a few hours, it's there again. And then I have to re-surrender. And, you know, maybe the next day I have to re-surrender again and again. Um, and that's okay. Cause I can keep surrendering and eventually something's going to move, at least from my experience. Um, and when I surrender, then all of a sudden I can see how, how my higher power is taking care of me. Um, but it's far from perfect. It's not something to just snap of my fingers and, and it's fine. Um, um, I have to stay committed to my program, um, regardless of what's happening in the world and uh, in my life, um, which is to me something very difficult because I don't know about you guys, but I am terrible at being consistent at things. I was the type of person who decided, you know, I'm going to exercise every day for the next month. Two days later, I am on the couch. Um, that is my tendency. Um, and so for me, a big struggle is, is the consistency, the day-to-day -day consistency. Um, and so, but if I'm, if I'm truly accept my step one and I truly know that I, I am powerless, then I don't really have a choice. Um, and so I am human and, and there's going to be some days that are like this and some days that are going to look like this. But I have the willingness to, when I'm on break between classes, to call a friend or to call my sponsor um, or to sit and read a, um, some spiritual books that I've had recommended um, instead of just talking to classmates. I, I, don't, I think talking to classmates is, is amazing. But it's also good to take some breaks and to, to connect to the program aspect of things. Um, and there are going to be lessons that I have to learn a thousand times. Um, I thought that I was going to come into program. They, you guys were going to teach me, you know, a course. I'm great at courses. I'm going to finish it. 
I'm going to have a check mark and you guys will teach me how to fix my life. Bada bing, bada boom, I'm out of here. Um, and it doesn't work like that. Just like I have to keep surrendering my financial fears or my social anxiety fears or, or any other resentment, etc. Um, I'm going to, there are going to be things that I'm going to have to learn a thousand times and that's okay. Um, before program, I believed that if I didn't manage the first time, then it was doomed to failure and I'm never going to succeed by that's it. Um, and I guess this is just something I want to tell to anybody who is new or who is new to sobriety. Um, it's okay. As long as I keep coming, something's eventually going to give and I'm eventually going to have that click that I learned something that I didn't know before or something emotionally is going to shift or something with my higher power its connection is going to shift. And eventually, if I stick to it and I do what I'm told, um, then something's going to give, regardless of how long it takes. Um, and... I think that's for the most part it. I warned Nancy that I'm a chronic underspeaker. <laughs> I always underspeak whatever time I'm given. So I apologize. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to share with you guys. Um, and uh, thank you for letting me share. Very much, myself, for your, your share. Awesome. I really appreciate it. And I think uh, maybe my higher power must be speaking through you because once again, I heard this idea of working through the steps again. And possibly with a different sponsor, so you get a little bit different perspective and a different take on that, as well as uh, working the traditions, which uh, up until now, I've kind of stiff-armed a little bit. So I, I appreciate you uh, with, with those suggestions. And just as a curiosity, to show you how international we are, I always like doing this with the meetings. I've started doing it the past couple of meetings. But we had um, something over 200 years of sobriety on this in this meeting and 11 countries. <laughs> and what's really amazing to me is the growth in Africa, Egypt and Kenya and Zimbabwe represented tonight. So our fellowship is, is truly international. So anyway, I just wanted to thank you very, very much for speaking to me. <clears throat> thank you, Dan. Nancy, please go ahead. Yeah, hi, I'm Nancy. Good to see you, Mazel. Um, I had one question, but now I have two. And um, one of them is, can you talk more about working the traditions? But my, my first question was, um, I was in Israel, and I was, I was frightened when COVID hit, and I didn't yeah. know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know where I was going to sleep. I didn't know where I was going to eat. And... Um, I just want to thank you for your hospitality and all of those who, who helped out. Um, fear. You talked about 10th step on fear. I would also like to hear some more about that. Thanks. Hi. Um, okay. So working the traditions, um, that's actually something that to me was important when I chose the, my second sponsor, like the second sponsor that I worked steps with. Um, I, part of my interviewing process for my sponsor was, do you work the steps out of the big book? And will you go through the traditions afterwards with me? Um, and, and she said, yes. Um, and so I'm currently relatively new to working the traditions. I, what I do is I have a um, non-conference approved literature, but um a pamphlet that, um, like a pamphlet on each tradition written by somebody who was an AA. If you want, I can share the details with you afterwards. It's it's just not conference approved. Um, and where he, he talks about each tradition and how it relates to each step. Um, he also has something similar on concepts, which I intend to go through afterwards. Um, and it has questions about if the steps and by extension also the concepts are um, spiritual ideas, then how do those spiritual ideas affect us in our personal lives, our work or business life, and in our, um, um, I said, personal work and program life. Um, and then there's questions for inventory. Um, and then I read that out to my sponsor and we move on to the next tradition. Um, so that's about the traditions. As far as the 
um, 10 step on fear. Um, I find it helpful to say what I'm afraid of. Why do I have this fear? Um, and I do it quite like it says in the big book. Um, why do I have this fear? I examine it. I realize that I am trusting myself and not my higher power. I try to connect to my higher power. Um, and I try to direct myself to how would it look like? What would it look like if I trusted my higher power? What does he want me to do? Also in terms of an outlook, um, in terms of just an idea of how I look at the world and also like on a practical level, um, do I need to take an actual physical action? Um, and, and then I share and get feedback from program friends. Um, yeah, that's on 10 step. Thanks. Thank you, Mazel. Thank you. Lee, please go ahead. Hi, my name's Lee, a real sexaholic. Um, this is a topic I think needs to be discussed, and I'm glad you chose it. When I began, I was in three different programs, working 10 hours a day, and I was going to 13 meetings a week with sponsees and doing service in each one of them. And after three years, I was fearful of reducing any of it. And I had to be intervened on and sent to a treatment facility for my meetings and service. Uh, so uh, it's really hard to do that. And I recognize it. What was your experience on doing that? Because I imagine we're not the only two. Um, so thanks for the question. Um, for me, what I found helpful is I also go to an Anon fellowship. Um, I don't want to talk too much about other fellowships, but part of the Anon fellowships in general and, and the fellowship that I, I go to is, is finding balance, finding what's good for me and trusting that my higher power is going to take care of me. And a big part of my journey is, is realizing that if I forget to do my morning reading or, or praying or write, like if I forget something, it's not going to be my higher power is going to smite me down and make me act out. Like um, I had to have friends in program show me that by taking on too much for myself, it's, a, it's an attempt to control, at least for me. When I took on, I remember times in program where I had um, service commitments in on the group level, the intergroup level, and the regional level, and multiple multiple commitments in each one. Um, in addition to sponsees, in addition to, to sponsors from two fellowships, in addition to work, in addition, and I had to have people intervene and tell me, Mazal you can let some of this go and focus on being a human being and live your life. And that's not, your higher power loves you enough that even if you only have two service commitments, you'll still be okay. And, and for me personally, it, it was, it was realizing as soon as I realized that a, it was, it was an attempt for me to control my sobriety, because if I do all these things on the checklist, then I'll be sober and I'll be okay. So a realizing that and b just, just focusing on my anon program. Thank you, Mazal. Thank you, Mazal. Claudia, please go ahead. Hi. Thank you, Mazal. Great to get to know you and to listen to you. Uh, I'm really always happy to see young women in SA <laughs> doing their work and knowing that going on and staying into the meetings, it could be a really great, great, great journey. So I'm really grateful that you shared with us your experience, strength and hope. What I want to know is how does it look like enjoying yourself? <laughs> so I remember this kind of ties into the other question. I remember asking my sponsor about taking on another service position. 
And then she asked me, how many service positions do you have, Mazam? And I, and I listed them out. And she said, I have a suggestion. Why don't you, instead of taking on another service position, why don't you find a hobby? Um, and how does enjoying myself look like today? Um, there are many things that I enjoy. Um, and so just devoting time to them on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be a lot. But um, I find that if I don't do that, I get a type of burnout, just from my personal experience. Um, and also taking pleasure in the small things in life. Um, so on a practical level, what this looks like for me is I enjoy to draw. Um, if I'm in a meeting or in a class and I can draw and, and it doesn't bother anybody, then, then I will do that. I really enjoy cooking. So if there's somebody I can cook for, I will make a meal for them. Um, and enjoying like a day-to-day -day thing, um, things, excuse me, I don't necessarily have to find a big grandiose hobby and go hiking across, I don't know what, for three months in order to, to enjoy myself. I can, I can focus on the little things um, and seeing the, the beauty in, in, in a flower or in a sunset or, or listening to a piece of music that I really like or, or smelling, you know, mints or whatever it is, but, but finding joy in those little things and actually stopping to appreciate them because there are many things that I, like, I can find enjoyment in a lot of things, but if I don't stop to appreciate them, I don't actually enjoy them. So for me, it's more an issue of stopping and letting myself feel those things. Thank, Thank you, Marcel. Great answer. <laughs> Rachna, please go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Am I audible, Luke? You're audible, loud and clear. Okay, thank you. Uh, hi, Mazal. Thank you so much for a lovely share. Thank you so much. Um, I I will really uh, appreciate if you let me know uh, about um, in your initial uh, sobriety days, uh, were you restless or irritable or discontented and how you worked on that? Because I'll be completing six months in some minutes and uh, I, I really need to know because that happens in every month's milestone and I'm having a lovely sponsor and I'm working through step zero. Sorry about the background noise. Uh, I'm working through step zeros, but um, sometimes it happens and I'm not able to understand what to do at that particular moment. I understand when something wrong has happened. I understand later and I feel sorry. But uh, at that particular moment, I'm not able to help myself. So I would love to hear from you about that. Thank you. Oh, thanks for the question. Um, did I feel restless, irritable and discontent? Of course. Um, I remember in my first months of sobriety calling my, anybody who knows me has heard this story, so I'm sorry. But I called my sponsor and I was like, ah, I am going to die. <laughs> um, and he was like, why are you going to die? I said, if I don't act out now, I am going to die. I just am. Fact. And, and whatever, we, we read together for, from the literature and, and I kind of calmed down. and I'm not going to die if I don't act out. So I think it's an inevitable as an addict to have withdrawal from a drug and not experience this comfort or irritability or um, sometimes I talk to newcomers or people that are getting um, sober for the first time. Of course, of course, you're going to feel like I'm going to keep it clean. You're, you're going to feel terrible. Um, and for me, accepting the fact that I'm going to feel terrible is already a relief. I don't, one of the character defects that came up in my fourth step was the need to always feel comfortable. I don't always need to feel comfortable. That's that's not possible. And it's not something I can demand from the universe. Um, as far as, um, as like having 
anxiety around around month milestones, I definitely relate. Like I I my first year of sobriety, every month I was like, okay, there's no way this is happening. When it came to my first year, I was like, no way that this is happening. Um, and for me, things that helped me was a having fellows that I call because they're there to remind me of things that I can't see or remember in the moment. Um, and, and they remind me, I remind them, um, depending on who's making the call and, and the situation, but I have a network of people to remind me what I can do. Um, in addition, I, in my round first, um, two months of sobriety, I did a uh, 12-step workshop in which we, like, we went over all 12 steps in, like, a, in a speedy way. Um, and we really focused on, like, surrendering lust and sharing explicitly and, and the 18 we learned and, and doing all those things. And when I was consistent with that, then, then it, wasn't, it wasn't as bad. Um, like there were still points in time where I was irritable and restless and and discontent, but the fact that I had gone through some, like of the 12 steps and some like overview, the fact that I was surrendering lust as much as I could. Um, and to me personally, this meant I had to be willing to share explicitly, um, with my fellows, of course, people who, who agreed to that. Um, and, and, and that brought those feelings down. And that, that helped me personally. Thank you so much, Mazal. I, I really wish I want to uh, spare my husband and her sons when I'm disturbed. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Um, for those who still want to ask a question to Mazal, please don't forget to raise your virtual hand. I got another question from another Indian, Arpita. Arpita says, I can't speak right now, but please ask this question. I've been sober for a while now, two years, and I don't know why, but there is a constant fear of losing my sobriety. I know I have to do it one day at a time, but sometimes the fear overcomes me. Do you have any experience, strength, and hope for Arpita? Um, do I have any experience, strength, and hope? I... I don't know if I do. Like, I definitely relate to that fear. Sometimes I, I have that fear, but um, I just take a deep breath, call a friend and, and move on. And I need to remind myself again and again that it's just for today. Um, and from my experience, the stronger my service that I give in program, um, the less that fear is. Again, it has to be positive service and not service that comes from a place of control. But when I'm truly focused on giving, if it's um, in program or just with the people that I'm around, focused on being on, with service, then, then all my fears are less because I'm not just focused on me and what's going to happen to me and what's going to happen to me, 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 me. Um, so, yeah, I guess service. Thank you, Mazal. Naura, please go ahead. Thanks, Luke. Can you guys hear me okay? Yep, loud and clear. Thanks. Hi there. Thank you so much for sharing, Mazal. It's really great to see you. I can't tell you enough. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say I relate to every single thing you shared, and um, it has been a real pleasure to get to know you in the fellowship. And um, yeah, you're uh, you're uh, such an important part of my recovery, and I'm really grateful you you exist. Um, and I have a question: Is um, how do you survive hectic times? I mean, you you kind of shared a little about that uh, about putting program first, and um, you know, making sure not to drop things in program um, in order to pursue other things like uh, studying or you know this part of the it can turn into an academic torture. Sometimes it gets hectic and crazy. So that's my question. How, how do you survive these times? Thanks. Uh, wow. Thank you. Um, I wish I had more positive experience with this, but uh, I'll just share what, um, what I do have. 
So for me, it's important to realize what works for me. What is a, uh, what is the, oh, I'm thinking of the word in Hebrew. I'm sorry. I need to think about it in English. Um, what is the, the, um, the essence and what is the, the extra? Um, what are the actions that I feel like I need to take? And what are the actions that are nice if I take? Um, and be realistic about how much time I have. Um, so for me, part of keeping it balanced is um, knowing that I can connect to my higher power regardless of what I'm doing at the time, regardless of how much time I have, connecting to my higher power is always going to be there. Um, and that's going to be number one. Um, in addition, I I can be smart about who I choose to to make phone calls to or accept phone calls to. If, if I'm actually, if I'm tight on time, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to call the person who, who doesn't talk. Like this is going to sound mean. I'm going to call the person who doesn't talk as much and I'm going to have a program phone call. That's going to be short and to the point and connects me and helps me um, in five, 10 minutes as opposed to half an hour. Um, because I also have to be realistic. This is, this is, I have a tight schedule. Um, so, so that's as far as like scheduling hectic times, as far as, oh, and another thing from experience, I need to do a 11 step in the morning and my day looks completely different. The fact that I devote time in the morning to an 11 step, regardless of how much I have to do that day, it makes, it makes a huge difference. And, and I know it makes a huge difference because often I'm not perfect at this and I don't always do it, but I can definitely see a difference when I choose to devote time for to it. And when I just kind of let things carry me away and, and I just get caught in the stream and, and I, and I don't focus on that. Um, as far as emotionally hectic times, um, I think that, that that's the time to, to actually up my phone calls and the length of phone calls. And because it's, it's for me, it's two different types of hectic. Am I hectic busy wise or am I hectic emotionally? If I'm hectic emotionally, then I'm I'm gonna have to connect just everything more, um, and um, and also very important for me to remember that my higher power is always there, and if all else fails, I can sit by myself and and hit my knees and and just pray. And from my experience, when when that when I've been desperate enough to just stop everything, go to the bathroom, get on my knees, and start crying then my higher power is going to be there. Like I haven't had experienced a time when he's like, no, not showing up. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Mazal. I have a question also here from Marty from, from Cleveland who can't speak at the moment, but he said, you mentioned about finances. How were you getting, or how are you getting to school at Citra without an income? Practical question. <laughs> so this is part of where my my higher power winks at me. Um, when I left national service, I was uh, I was given a number of a lady who who works at the local municipality. I think I'm municipality, um, and I in the beginning I didn't. Like I was told this lady can help you in all sorts of stuff. And I was, she helps people in your age bracket do a bunch of stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, and I didn't know how to ask for help. And there was a time where I, I was feeling really stuck and also emotionally and also, you know, in life. And, and I, and I reached out to help from her and she, she directed me to um, uh, career counseling and I have been on and off um, talking to her. Um, and this is, this is part of my higher power winking at me is I feel stressed emotionally. I mean, stressed emotionally because of financial things. I let it go. I, I keep letting it go. And then something clicks. And this has happened to me twice, which is hilarious in my opinion, that she has sent me a message out of the blue entirely. Like I didn't ask her for this. I, I, don't know why she did it. She just sent me a message and said, Hey, I, um, I like put in some paperwork for a scholarship for like a certain scholarship that you can have. I, I have some checks for you. 
And this has happened twice. And it's always happened after I have decided that, you know, I can't run my life financially and it's too stressful and I'm just going to give it over to God. And then the same day she sent me messages like, hey, I, I have some checks for you. So, so that's hilarious. Um, and also in um, specifically in Israel, if depending on the school you go to. Um, so my personal program, the pro- program of school that I'm going to. Um, anybody who's done two years of um, volunteering in national service or has done the army um, gets an 80% scholarship just off the bat, just automatically. If you've, if you've served the country in some way, then that's automatic. Um, so yeah. And uh, I also saved up in advance um, because I, for half a year before I started school, I knew that that's something I was going to be doing. So I budgeted accordingly. Thank you, Marcel. Travis, please go ahead. Yes, thank you, Marcel, so much for your for your share and reflection. Uh, there was one phrase in particular that that jumped out to me that it was, uh, "I can keep surrendering, and eventually something is going to move." I guess I appreciated that that there's not always this immediate response and, and this perspective that that even the surrendering can be frustrating, but there's this hope um, that in some way something's going to change. I don't know if you could speak anything any more to that or whether it's your experience or your understanding of that, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure I understand the question. You mean like, where have I experienced uh, a need to surrender again and again? Is that what you mean? Yeah. The, the sense of surrendering isn't a one-time thing that, that it's maybe it helps me in this moment, but four minutes, five minutes later or 20 minutes later, I need to surrender the same thing over again. Um, but that continual surrender is, is with this hope that something's going to move, uh, is how I understood you said it, uh, in your share. Um, so yeah, so I had this hope that if I keep surrendering, something's going to move, um, a, because I was told, I was told, Mazal, if you surrender enough, something's going to move. Um, and it's something that I experienced in the beginning just from contact with lust. In my first month of sobriety, I was told, you know, share everything that goes through your head. Anything you want to do, share it with somebody. Um, pray about the the, the situation. Um, and share, share, share. And in the beginning, it didn't help. <laughs> um but the more I shared and surrendered, the better it got. So I already knew this, this idea that, you know, it might not work immediately, but if I, if I share and, and, and surrender, it's, it's eventually going to get better. Um, and this, to me, was something that I experienced in mixed meetings. So I came to, um, I started in, my first meeting was, was women's meeting, but my first little bit, I, I started going to mixed meetings. Um, and there were many meetings where I was 19, the only girl in a room full of, of men. Um, and, and somebody from outside of, of SA might think, oh, like that must make you really uncomfortable because like there are all these sexaholic predators and like poor old me. And it was very different. I felt like I was the predator and I have like, you know, 20 sheep here. Um, and to me, that involved a lot of surrendering, like remembering Mazal, you're, you're coming here because you're sick and you want to get better. Um, and it meant that I had to focus on the actions and not on the results. Um, I like, <laughs> I don't remember where I heard this first, but I, I heard it somewhere in program and, and I like the, the line, you know, my higher power is not an ATM. Um, I don't surrender and then get the relief. I take the actions of surrender. And for me, it's important for it to be an action because I, my brain is full of a lot of noise, a lot of whatever I commit to something, don't commit. Just thinking about surrender isn't enough for me. I need to take an action. Um, And I have to keep taking that action and and eventually just something shifts. And I've seen this with sponsees and I've seen it in my own personal uh, recovery and I've seen it with other people's. I don't know if I have any specific thing to say, except for, for me, it has to be an action. 
Surrender has to be followed by some sort of action. Thank you, Mazal. Fellows with less than 30 days can also raise their virtual hands and everybody else, of course, also. I'm also going to ask a question, Mazal. First of all, I'm really grateful for young people in SA who are sober because I have it with your share now. Your mind, your brain seems to be working so much better than mine. Uh, mine is deteriorating, I think. Anyway, uh, and it's really great to, to listen to you. My question is, how do you do your 11th step daily? How do you pray or meditate to your higher power? Thank you. This is always the question that I ask um, when there's a when I'm in a topic meeting. I always somehow ask them about step eleven because to me it's it's a really hard step. Like step eleven for me is harder than step four or step nine. Um, yeah, even step nine with with my parents or or telling my parents that I was that I'm a sexaholic or. There's something to me much harder about it because at the core of my disease, there's, um, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, I lost my train of thought. I apologize. You said. Going back in. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so at the core of my disease is, 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 like a, a desire to, to turn to the ego. Um, and personally, uh, 11th step for me is something that I often change because if I don't, to me, it becomes a checklist. Um, for around a year, I was um, in the big book. It says it has a recommended step uh, 11 in terms of a nightly inventory and a morning uh, planning of the day. Um, and that's something that I still do on a regular basis. Um, but for me, I have to have some sort of variety um, because if not, it, it just becomes very rote and I don't actually get something out of it. Um, in addition, like in terms of more of the meditation, um, I find there's, um, a document somewhere floating around that I found on a WhatsApp group um, that talks about uh, um, uh, two-way prayer um, from the Oxford groups. That's something that I have, it has opened my eyes about uh, this whole topic. Um, and often with the whole idea of spirituality, I want to be the person who reads that next book that everybody's talking about. And I want to, I want to, you know, be on the cutting edge of spirituality. Um, and for me, it's not an, it's not an issue of what can I do more, but what can I do less? How can I slow down my brain? How can I connect from like a more quiet place and like tone it down as opposed to toning it up? Um, I hope that makes sense. Oh yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much. Um, we still could do one question if somebody wants to speak up, please go ahead. Otherwise, we will wrap up, but we still have some minutes. Anyone or anyone who wants to double dip? Hi, um, can I ask a question? Sure, go ahead. All right, thank you. So, my name is Yako, and I'm a sexaholic, and thank you so much for your talk. Um, you said you're um, in two different programs. I, I just started ACA. And I noticed that when I'm in an ACA group, I'm not in an SA group. And that it was very hard for me to see like, like I, I worked very hard in, in doing the actions that I was being told to do in SA and adding another program and everything. So it always goes into, into ways. Either, either I add another program and work hard in it and feel better with my relationship with my parents and with myself and my SA 
group uh, isn't as powerful and I get less thoughts more often. Or I work very hard on essay and use my time for essay and that's, that's very good with my lust thoughts and fantasies. And then suddenly something explodes inside me from the parenting area or the child within me or many things like that. So how do you add another program into your life? Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, the way I see it is there is one mazal who has one uh, disease and a spiritual disease and it has different aspects and different facets. So one of the symptoms is lust. One of the symptoms is anonism. One of the symptoms can be any other addiction. It doesn't. Um, so I, ha I have different facets within the one mazal. Um, and what this means on a practical level, it means that I view my program. This is all my program. What I'm focusing on is what do I feel like I need right at that moment? If I feel like lust is coming up, then I, I'll go to an SA meeting. If I feel like um, um, my relationship with my parents need helps, then I'm going to go to that type of meeting. In addition, I personally had to work on my addiction first. Um, I came from an, a non-group. That's how I heard about SA. Um, and I tried working steps in two fellowships at once. To me, that wasn't helpful. I had to decide which, where am I working the steps? I decided in the attic group, obviously in a say. Um, I worked all 12 steps, but I continued going to meetings. I continued sharing with fellows and I continued going to meetings, but I wasn't working the steps there because I'm one person. And personally, I had to, to choose where I'm going to focus. Um, and then after I, after I finished the steps in a say, then I could focus on another fellowship. I, Every week, I try to get to, to both types of meetings um, and talk to, to friends that have experienced strength and hope in both areas. But I need to choose where I'm focusing, finish that, and then focus on something else. Thank you so much, Mazel. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.